0: everybody. Uh, So today we're going to be doing a webinar on how to take your agency from $1 million in revenue to $10 million in revenue. Corey Quinn is on today. Uh, He, if you don't know who he is already, he was previously the CMO at Scorpion, which is a very successful Mm -hmm. SEO company. I believe they actually just raised $100 million on Crunchbase. And he was there, when they were at $20 million in revenue, scaled them to, I believe, $150 million in revenue. Myself, I am the owner of Twiz, which is a marketing agency plus SaaS platform, and we help marketing agency owners as well as SaaS businesses grow extremely fast. Uh, Last year, we did did about $1.7 million in revenue bootstrapped, and so we're not quite at the 10, but we've... uh, seen a lot of uh, people that we've worked with who've g- grown really fast and we're hoping we can get there as well. So, you know, uh, Corey, feel free to add on to that in any way you'd want.
1: Thanks Lucas. Appreciate it. You, you got the intro nailed dog. You, you, you just, that was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. I was gonna, I was gonna jump in there, but I, I appreciate what you shared. <laughs> so what, I, what I, uh, what I'm focused on. So I was at Scorpion with dude, SEO, PPC, basically local marketing for SMBs for local service businesses and uh, we had we we achieved some major some major growth, uh, 20 million to 150 million in about six short years. And what I wanted to share on this uh, on this quick um, uh, webinar is uh, of all the things that we did at Scorpion to really scale up, there was uh, there was really three things we did really really well, and I think that's worth sharing. I think it's worth talking about, and I think other businesses, other agencies who are maybe at the million, two million dollar level. Um, but who are eager to grow and eager to grow quickly, uh, that this could be helpful for you if that's you. That's, that's uh, some of the things I, I'd love to cover.
0: Fantastic. So if you want to go ahead and share some of those slides you were talking about, yeah. I'm definitely eager. And then I know I have a lot of questions as well. Uh, maybe we can squeeze in, but um, we'd love to see those slides. That'd be fantastic.
1: Beautiful. All right. I'm just pulling them up right now. Thanks for your patience. And here we go. So as I mentioned, this is gonna be um, we're gonna be focusing on the on the things, uh, the things that worked at Scorpion. Um, and there's a lot of things we did that didn't necessarily work, but uh the first thing, uh those three things definitely that absolutely worked. The first thing was we had a vertical focus. Uh and so what, what, so what are the benefits of, of having a vertical focus? It is a very common idea or common theme to you know, have a vertical, but what, is it, what does it really mean to have a vertical? And Why does it actually help you to scale? Why did it help us to scale? And the first reason why is that focusing on a vertical drives familiarity, right? So I'll give you an example. Uh, in the agency space, what we see a lot of, what you see a lot of are agencies that that service smbs and that could be everything that's on this list here so plumbers dentists attorneys pool cleaners bakeries so on and so forth any kind of local business you may be in a in a you know a geography where there's a lot of a lot of businesses and you know maybe your focus is hey i want to just focus on the local area and there's nothing wrong with that however What we found when when you are a generalist at that uh, generalist agency where you're doing maybe just lead gen for these types of businesses, you're unable to really become familiar with each of the business types that you're serving. So if I was going to ask you, Lucas, um, as a general lead gen sort of SMB kind of business, what is the best job for a plumber? Well, you probably don't know that because you're trying to manage all of these different business types. You don't have the time to be able to understand what that is. Well, if you compare that with a different agency, imagine for a moment that you are a a plumbing only agency. You only worked with plumbers day in day out, and you built your business around that. And you got to know your customers very well. What you'll le- what you'll learn is very quickly, probably is that plumbers love repiping jobs. Repiping job is where they go into a house and they rip out all the old pipes, and they come in, and they bring in all brand new pipes. Why do they love those jobs? Well, because they're high margin. They're multi day. They don't have to clean out poop lines, right? So it's it's a great it's a great job for these plumbers, and they're they're um, they make they make a killing on them. They just they can they could charge a lot, and they got a good. But but you'd never know that unless you were a specialist in the plumber uh, sort of the, the plumbing industry. And so what we found is that by focusing at Scorpion, Scorpion was first. It was uh, attorneys, and specifically personal injury attorneys. We had a massive focus on them. And we got to understand not only what was the best kind of jobs that they had, but we got to understand their business um, at a deep level. So our relationship evolved from a vendor to a business partner where we could help them to really grow their business beyond just you know leads. And of course, if you were a plumbing, uh, plumbing agency, if agency, if you only work with plumbers, you would have a line around the block of eight plumbers who want to work with you because you can get the plumbing jobs. No one's doing it, right? If you're the agency that can get the plumbing jobs. Then I'm sorry the the um the repiping jobs then you would be in big big demand and the and the word would spread, but you may look as you may say to me well Corey uh, that sounds great but plumbing is tiny you know what why would I just focus my entire agency on a tiny little niche well the reality is is that there's 276,000 plumbers in the U.S. today and if you do quick math as a result of focusing in on this vertical let's say in 3 to 5 years you're at 5% of that mar- of that number you're able to get 5% market share of all the plumbers in the US and let's say the average revenue to your business is $10,000 per plumber you do the math and i did the math earlier you basically be at a $250 million business just by by having 5% of this market uh and that in the and the average revenue is 10,000 per per customer so you can't say to me that going down in the niche is too narrow or it's too small of a market um in fact it's just the opposite you'll get much greater penetration get much happier clients because they're going to notice that you know what the the difference that makes the difference it's a quote here by gregory bateson that's number one about niching down number two is becoming an insider lucas i know you're here in la with me uh we should be doing this in the same uh sound studio next time but um, (laughs) have you ever spent any time in san francisco
0: uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be going up there next month.
1: If Have you ever lived up there?
0: No, no.
1: So chances are, if you are from the area, if you're from San Francisco, you would never use the word San Fran. It just would never come out of your mouth because that's not what people who live there say. In fact, what people live there say, they say the bay or the city or they say these other, these other terms. They never say San Fran. They say San Francisco. And- what happens is when you're traveling up there next week uh, or or whenever you're going up next month to uh, to San Francisco, you uh, if you were at a party or at a bar and you said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm hanging out here in San Fran. Maybe you want to call the buddy. You would immediately out yourself to as an outsider to everyone else who is around you. They'd be like, oh, this guy's a tourist because he's not from here because we don't use that word. Right. So it's a great way to expose yourself as an outsider. Give it a shot while you're up there. But why does this matter? Well, this thing where people who uh, sort of operate in tribes, they tend to use the same language. So whether it's people who live in a city or a, an association of, of people who work in the trade, like plumbers or uh, attorneys and whatnot, they use language to signal belonging, right? And so uh, and at the same time, you, they also have this sort of secret language, if you will, that exposes people who are not on the inside. And, and why this matters is that B2B buyers, the people who you're selling to, the people I'm selling to, and everyone who's listening to this, the reason why uh, this matters to us is because we want to signal, ultimately what this is saying, is we want to signal to the buyers that we are an insider to their world. We understand them, we understand their business. We don't just, we're not just selling them some kind of, you know, uh, you know vendor-based relationship. We are a, special, a true specialist in their world, and that and the reason why is because they care a lot about working with someone who truly understands them at a deep level, not as a generalist, but as a as a specialist. And if you do this, if you specialize and if you become niche focused and you begin to understand their business at a deep level and use their language, you're going to separate yourself out from the competition because your competition is likely not doing that. Now I'll share one other concept about verticalizing, is that as a result of having a, a niche or a vertical spoke, a focus is that you're able to scale your business from 1 million to 10 million much better than if you didn't uh, focus on a vertical. You know, The agency business is one where it's primarily service-based. Yes, there's software to optimize campaigns and so on and so forth, but at the end of the day, it's a service-based business in my opinion. And what that means is that you, as you're scaling revenue, you also have to scale your costs, right? There's an association between revenue and costs. And so if you're a smaller agency and you bring on 50 new clients, you're going to either break the business or you're going to have to hire a bunch of people and outsource a bunch of stuff, right? Because there a, there's a human element to everything we do. And so one of the ways that uh, we were successful at Scorpion was is that we scaled through software. And I'll explain what, we, what I mean by that right now. When you are servicing a specific niche or vertical, you begin to see patterns in that vertical. And these patterns are things like what happens in the onboarding call or what happens with the the, the campaigns themselves or when we're marketing to this vertical, what are the patterns that are are emerging as a result of doing something very similar over and over and over and over again? And these are patterns that you would otherwise miss without focusing. Uh, And I gave you some examples of the types of patterns um, but basically it's it's just patterns in your business, things that are beginning to emerge as a result of doing, like I said, the same thing over and over. What you want to do is it, with with an interest in scaling, you want to we want to evolve those patterns into processes. So what I mean by processes is you write them down a specific process, you could have a you could have a flowchart, or you could have a document. and the purpose of doing that is that when someone else does the process, the documented process, if they follow the steps, they're going to get the same outcome. And that's really important as you scale is being able to systematize and, and, and use process to, to get the same outcome, regardless of who's doing the um, who's doing the the work. What I say here is you want to you want to make sure it gets done the right way every time by everyone. That's what processes are going to do. Well, over time. As you're building these processes and you're documenting them, there's going to be some subset of those processes that are going to be uh, there that you're going to uh, be allowed to or be be able to build software. These are these are processes that don't require human effort at the end of the day. They're repeatable, sort of rote processes. Uh, And what we did at Scorpion is we built software internally. We built custom software to operationalize a lot of those repeatable steps. So I'll give you an example. As, a, as a, a new client Scorpion, we get a brand new website. Every client got a brand new website in addition to SEO and all these other things. But the website process is, 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 most of us are probably very familiar. There's like a thousand steps in it. We were able to automate a tremendous amount of those taking the requirement for hiring people to do those, those activities, letting the software to do it and do it reliably and at a uh, very high quality. So. The result of that is that when you're scaling from the one million to the ten million, you're able to take on more customers because you're leveraging software, uh, so you're able to scale in that way. But you're also able to maintain the quality of the of the of the work that you're doing for your customers. Uh, you're not just scaling and getting a lot getting a lot of new customers, but you're also maintaining that that quality of customer. Which, as a result of that that creates more word of mouth for your business because you have more people who are customers of you getting great value. And then that that improves the quality uh, and the the probability that people are going to be talking about you further sort of feeding the the flywheel of growth. So those are three things around taking a vertical focus. Uh, Just as a quick summary, number one, some of the work that I'm doing now now that I've left Scorpion is I'm helping companies to choose a focus vertical so that you could find the difference that makes the difference. That's the repiping job for the plumbers. You have to focus to get to that level of detail. Number two is get a, you, you use insider words to gain trust with your buyers. You want to signal to them early that you understand them at a deeper, deeper level than the competition that you're that you're competing against. Uh, number three is just look for patterns. In your business, take those patterns, turn them into processes, and then take those processes and turn them into systems. I'll pause real quickly uh, here, Lucas. Those are three things that that were benefits of of verticalizing.
0: Hi, this is Lucas James. Are you struggling to get meetings booked with potential prospects for your agency? I'll tell you what, when I first started, I had the same issue, but I was able to AB test hundreds of different variations of copy on multiple channels and figured out a secret formula to convert anyone from anywhere into taking a meeting with me. I've mastered this approach and now my agency, TWIZ, books meetings on autopilot. Last year, we booked 1,731 meetings, closed 234 accounts, and generated $1.72 million in revenue. I want the same thing for your agency, so I've decided to give away some of my best performing outbound copy scripts for free. That's right. Absolutely free. If you want to transform your business for free, go to scale.twiz.io to get your free lead scripts today. That's scale.twiz.io. Scale S C A L E dot twiz dot Io. Now back to the show. I got a couple of questions. So first off, and, and this actually is gonna be a selfish question, but it's right. gonna probably I love it. a lot of people who Let's are uh <laughs> who are trying to go through the same thing. So I'm actually as curious what your thoughts are on this and how like a company such as Scorpion would think through the same problem. So we're actually in the process of dramatically trying to increase virality within our business. And so one thing we've done that's had immediate success in terms of booking a tons of additional meetings with very low costs is we started offering uh, two weeks free marketing and we do it to everyone. And really what that means is two 30 minute sessions where we get all of our systems set up for somebody, we create a conversion funnel we set up an email campaign. We have our own like email server. So we buy them a domain, we set it up, we warm it up and we already have contacts wow. we can send it out to. And then we have a conversion funnel we make for them, right? And then what happens is after the first, uh, after the first two weeks, they either purchase our conversion funnel, which is four ninety seven per month and already the systems that are being sent there. So it captures a lot more of that uh, prospect base. And even if they don't, for whatever reason, move forward at that price point and they say, Hey, I really like what you did. What we do is we say, look, you can keep meeting with us. If you give us, uh, five intros a month, uh, we'll meet with you for one hour. And that's actually been working really well. Cause people start giving us introductions. Hmm. Um, and then what we're aiming for is $250 in monthly recurring revenue for every, added in the first month for every meeting that we take, right? So we know that out of 10 people, maybe one person will close on the, uh, 2,500 to $4,000 per month plan that we have. But then the other, uh, nine, maybe three of them, let's say close at the $500 per month or four, right? So now we're adding more revenue from people that otherwise would have left. And then for everyone else, we're basically saying, look, Join our free community, our commitment to you is that we're always gonna give you group training, group advice, group workshops, everything like that. But if you want one on one time with us, either you either need to pay us or you need to partner with us and give us intros, right? Mm-hmm. That's just our strategy. I'm actually curious to see like, did any elements of those things happen at Scorpion? Like, did you guys ever do try before you buy? Did you guys ever try any of that? Or did you guys take a different approach
1: when yeah. you scale? So how I think about some of, some of what you just shared with me is taking the friction out of the sales process. In other words, you're, you're, um, you're lowering the risk. You're sort of reversing the risk a little bit. In, that, in other words, they yeah. get to try before you buy. Like you said, they get to, they get, to they get value before they ever have to pay you. Yes, as a decision point after a couple of weeks that they have to make, but I think that's a, that's a great strategy. How we would do that at Scorpion is we would give them uh, we tried a bunch of stuff, but the, the thing that really worked the best for us was an incent, we, we, we drove an incentive around giving them additional ad spend if they signed. So yeah. we, would just, we would just match their ad spend for a month or two. And then, Very interesting. That's yeah. That's actually super interesting. And the, the reason why we did that is that typically they would get the benefit of additional ad spend. And yeah. then after two months we have peel back and they go, well, we kind of want those, that same volume. It's like, well, okay, great. And let's, let's then, then, then it's up to you to, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Customer to be able to up your ad spend to be able to get there.
0: Huh? That's really interesting. So you would, you guys kind of did a similar thing at the end of the day, you, you, what you did that worked, it sounds like is you put your money where your mouth was and yes. you, you, you know, it's, you know, if confidence is going to work. I think that's the main thing that I'm realizing is like, we have sort of a, we do have somewhat of a niche that we're focusing on. So it's a lot of service-based businesses that can, that are almost knowledge-focused businesses. Like they sell information as well, Yeah. Um, kind of like information-based companies. But the thing that we're realizing is that the process of the two weeks trial determines if they're a good fit, because if they're not getting results immediately then the success rate of them even ever referring us or doing anything just drops considerably. Last question I have for you, because I'm sure this is something a lot of people will benefit from. Yeah. We've actually started realizing that part of the problem for us was that we would always hand off our clients to our ops team. And what would happen is fulfillment would have a great process, but a lot of the stuff that was discussed with sales would be different than what's happening fulfillment. And sometimes the sales reps, they're just, you know, they have all these ideas. They want to, like, grow the company, grow the customers, like, yeah, you could do this, this, and this. But then when the handoff happens, fulfillment might be, I mean, boring, frankly. It's very repeatable stuff that just happens. And so what we've started realizing is that the sales consultants can sort of charge for their time to give the person that, to one, make them more money. And two, to uh, give the client even more results and to give Mm -hmm. them that like personal touch, keep them on the account forever, basically. Mm -hmm. Did you guys take that approach or did you have, uh, did you just, did you basically never really have that problem when you handed it off to fulfillment? Fulfillment just handled everything.
1: Yeah, we had different uh, functional areas in the company, still do, where the sales team would be responsible for closing the deal. And when it got, when the deal got closed, it would transfer to an account manager who is responsible for kickoff. Now the thing that spe- speaks to what you're talking to is it is super important to the customer that there's continuity between the sales conversation and then the account manager. What we wanted to avoid was having the um the the customer the brand new customer to have a whole, basically the same conversation that they had with the sales team as part of the uncovering and the discovery and all that. Yeah, and yeah. so we had a we had a process whereby we would document the sales team Salesperson would document all of the current state, the desired state, uh, obstacles, cost of inaction, like all the things that the customer wanted to achieve with us, and the specific goals and all that. All that was documented and then transferred to the account manager, and then during the kickoff process, the account manager would val- verify. So what you shared with the salesperson is you said these these are the things you want. Is that still true? And then and then they would use that as a basis for a conversation about here's what we're going to do to go get those, to to go achieve those, those goals.
0: But did this, did you, did you try to get these sales reps to work the upsells with the prospects or was that more of a customer success function? Like what I'm thinking is that a lot of times the sales reps just want to make their prerogative, no matter what you kind of tell them is like, I want to make as much money as possible usually. Right. Um, And the goal with the company as a CEO is how can I make sure that they're, making as much money as possible while also like delivering on, on their promises with customers, right? So sure. you're not overselling. Sure. And one thing I've been testing, I'm curious if you guys ever did this, was like, okay, customer success, crush it on the fulfillment side. And then the sales team can basically say to the customer, hey, look, this is what we're doing. Here's the amount you're paying for these things to be done every month. We're going to keep doing this every month. And that's just like laying down the track. That's not going to change. It's just very consistent. So you can keep that process going. But as the sales rep, I'd rather work with less customers mm-hmm. and get paid more than to work with a ton of customers and get paid less. So if I were to get you this result in this time frame, and I teach my sales reps, There's, these are all these growth hacks you can try at this company. Will you pay us this much money? Mm-hmm. Um, and so far that's been working, but I'm curious if that's like, the function at
1: all yeah we, we we were very much focused on volume like sales was a volume game for us and so um the the sales team would rarely stay on with the customer and so the the way that we handled upsells for we t- we tried a lot of things um bundling packaging different different you know programs and so on and so forth and all that was always being tested but generally speaking um many of the clients that we we brought on were buying sort of a fairly basic or a fairly standard package. And then once yes. they became um, customers and they started getting value, we would have a process whereby the, the account managers or customer success would systematically upsell them. And in fact, they had quotas to hit as far as upsell goes. Okay. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Did you guys do a similar approach with the ad stuff when you're trying to upsell people? Like, did you say, look, I know you need this. I'm going to toss this in. Cause one thing we're thinking we're, that's been working pretty well is like, Hey, I I know you're on a lead gen program right now, but uh, I went ahead and actually came up with some blog topics and started optimizing your website just on the house because I know you need SEO. So if you uh, want to continue with this, then it's this much money, but I just wanted to give you some of this as a sample. Did you guys ever do anything like that to get them to upsell or how'd you convince them
1: yeah, not on time. not on not necessarily on the uh content side just because the the, sort of the the fruit of that effort takes a long time to see, you know, the, yeah, the impact yeah. of yeah. that. And so it was on the on the paid media side. Um yeah, we would we would do the we would do other, you know various different types of incentives including um you know matching their spend for a mere period of 3 months. Uh we had other products where um like for instance a video marketing pro uh, uh, package where they would get like six videos over a twelve month period. It would test including an additional two videos, right? so that right. you would, they would get more value for the same amount of money as an incentive to buy now versus delay this the the, the decision.
0: Very interesting. And I have one last question for you. sure burning on uh, our community's minds because I've yeah. been listening to the podcast we did like a month ago, and they've been asking me a lot of questions about it. and uh, the the question that a lot of people have is, Okay, so you mentioned that one of the strategies you guys did, which has been a, a very popular one people have been discussing, the whole sending cookies to attorneys thing. That's yeah. been like a, a very, very interesting topic of discussion within the community. D- uh, on like a regular day though, when you were sending out <laughs> these, these gifts or even if you guys yeah. were getting clients to come on podcasts to try to convert them or prospects yeah. on podcasts, try to convert them. Was that the fundamental part of your strategy or was there also mm-hmm. another piece in there that was like, what we're trying to figure out right now is is the trojan horse approach of just getting them to talk to you by any means necessary the way to go to scale your lead gen or is the um just hard sales process where you just go out there and try to pitch like 100 people a day uh the better way of doing it and you guys actually scaled so i'm curious to see like yep did you just decide hey we're gonna stop even thinking about the sales pitch we're just gonna give them whatever they want whether that's a podcast or like cookies or whatever we're gonna Mm -hmm. forget the whole hard-nosed sales purchase. You do both, basically.
1: It all starts with a list. So we knew that in the case of plumbers, which was one of our target audiences, that there's 250,000, 276,000 plumbers in the U.S. Well, right. we would go and acquire, and by acquire, I mean, we, we built our own list of every single one of the plumbers in the U.S. And then, yep. we would, then we would stack rank them and score them based on whatever criteria that we felt that was like, made them the highest likelihood of being a successful customer of Scorpion's. Wow. And that which, which narrowed the list down to, you know, whatever, you know, tens of thousands. And then literally we had a larger sales team. So we would distribute the sales leads. Those leads that have been vetted and they've been, uh, we've, we validated they have a, you know, a Facebook page and a, and a, um, a LinkedIn profile and that they have good LinkedIn, re- sorry, not LinkedIn, um, uh, Yelp reviews. They have got Yelp pages and so on, and so forth. We found the cream of the crop and we, do, and we assigned those leads out to the sales team who's who's responsible for closing deals in that list and it was like you know 650 plumbers per, per and then we would literally before anything that happened on the sales side we would send out cookies to all 650 <laughs> times you know whatever 40 different sales reps as a first touch because we knew that they were going to be a high value customer for scorpion mm, that's and, okay and, and so we needed yeah. we needed to stack the deck in our favor uh, in, in, in terms of getting them on a call with us.
0: Yeah, this confirms a lot of things I think for people because what I've been realizing as I've done lead gen now, because I've, I've done it for a while and uh, I kind of had this epiphany recently because I've done so many of these interviews where I'm like, wait, yeah. the people who are actually having success from lead gen when they've hit like 10, 20 million plus, it's almost like they're just forgetting about what like their business. I've realized that the most, uh, the thing that will shoot yourself in the foot, it seems more so than anything else when it comes to prospecting is leading with your pitch because everyone's trained to like ignore it right and hearing you guys talk about it has been so helpful for me because i'm just like look i've called it the trojan horse method Mm -hmm. which is basically like you got to get them to say yes to something anything anything that you know that they want like whether it's cookies or a podcast or yeah. anything.
1: yeah. It's it's, it's also creating subtly creating reciprocity, right? The old uh, you know the the, the the weapons of influence from Chaldini. Yeah. It is it is a uh, it is a way to build reciprocity, um, and the way that that played out is we would send the, the cookies in a FedEx box to the attorney. Which if if, uh, if we were if we were prospecting attorneys, well, every attorney that we prospected had a gatekeeper. They had someone who was responsible for making sure that someone from Scorpion didn't end up getting reaching the attorney because that was going to be a waste of the attorney's time, type of thing. And so we would send cookies these, and they're not just like run-in-the-mill cheap ass cookies. These are like gourmet amazing cookies that you take a bite (laughs) and you're like, you're like, you have to like go like hold the wall because it's like that. And so, um, and so what the result of that was that the cookies would arrive. At the attorney's desk this was fedex and then they would share it with the office and by the time the salesperson would call the 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 energy of that that gatekeeper went from i'm sorry you can't you know he's not available he or she's not available to wait you're the guys that sent the cookies hold on <laughs> let me let me get them on the line for you you guys are you guys, you guys are great right <laughs>
0: dang yeah that's that's incredible i mean that's it's just so clarifying for me because this it's not like this it doesn't sound like there was like another strategy going on it sounds like this was the strategy like
1: over and over, the, and over the, and over and over yeah it, it worked yeah.
0: that's incredible it's so it's so refreshing to hear that um if somebody wants to actually like do that for themselves is there like a website they can use to send cookies at scale or
1: um well I, sending cookies is not hard you can just find a cookie vendor that is like for corporate gifts i think it, it is much it's, it's one piece of a larger sort of program yeah. that i that i talk about and i train on i'm actually writing a book now called return on cookies oh, that, <laughs> that is that is the playbook that, that, oh, uh, I'm like, on that. I'm yeah on that. You, you'll be able to read soon i'm looking for beta by the way i'm looking for beta readers so if anyone listens i, will this, definitely want. Yeah. I want your feedback i want to make sure this is the best book ever so yeah uh, so yeah i think i think it's worth worth um looking into uh, but it's like I said, it's 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 easy to spend a million bucks on cookies. I mean, if you have a million bucks, it's easy yeah. to. It's also easy to waste a million bucks on cookies, like anything else, any other marketing campaign. If yeah. you're not doing it right, if you're not thinking about it the right way.
0: Well, what I've been doing for my try before you buy thing is I've I've actually just been saying, look, here's five different Trojan horse offers. Pick one, mm. and uh, you have to pick one because everything you're probably doing right now to get customers isn't working because you're just spamming them. Yeah, uh, pick one of these. And I'm gonna add cookies to the list because I, I have I was kind of teetering <laughs> on it, but I'm gonna add like gifts basically. Yeah. Um, so do five, pick one, and then just hit them with that and like gifts, yeah. and then if you can't get the you should be able to see a clear conversion rate. Like that's the thing. You should be able to see. Let's say you send 10 gifts out, people. You should be able to see that like four of them turn into sales meetings, like with podcasts. I have a script that transitions them to right. a meeting and you should be able to see, okay, I did 10 podcasts. How many of those people converted into sales uh, and, and even sales meetings? And if the ratio is zero, then it doesn't work. But it almost always does because uh, people uh, are way more likely to talk to you if they know, like, and trust you. And that's the basics of this whole strategy, right? It's
1: verticalization, it's becoming an insider in their world. It's it's being a part of their associations. It's going to their conferences. It's becoming known as the go-to best best solution for their for their industry.
0: Man, this has been another great uh, <laughs> webinar. I'm excited <laughs> to put this on our podcast. I actually was
1: yeah, the web, I I, the I love all this stuff. So yeah, yeah our last episode this.
0: got a lot of got a lot of uh, hits. So I'm really excited to Good. have this up there for the how to scale an agency listeners. And uh, where Corey, can people go to? you know, get yeah. in touch with
1: you. Yeah, so if you, if you like these concepts, if, if some of these things are resonating with you, I would love to have you on my, my, my daily newsletter. So I have a newsletter I send out five times a week, uh, Monday through Friday. It's a one-minute tip on how to grow your business, your agency, your, or your SaaS. And I talk all about these types of things. So the place to sign up is HTTPS colon slash slash www.coreyquinn.com slash newsletter. And you can go and sign up. It's for free. And uh, if, when you do, you'll start getting emails from me and I'm hope, hopeful that the, they help you out. Yeah, I
0: put this in the chat. Uh, we'll also post it below on YouTube. Um, but awesome. try.twiz.io forward slash free. If you want two weeks free marketing from my company, there's That's no stream awesome. to uh, Coreyquinn.com forward slash newsletter. Get on his newsletter. It's really good. I'm on the newsletter. I get them all the time. I'm always learning stuff from there. Um, so if you're not already on it, Uh, jump on that newsletter uh, as well. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to comment below and we'll try to answer them as well. Um, So thank you so much, Corey, for uh, doing this webinar with me. And I'm excited to see how much knowledge people gain from it.
1: I love it. I'm super happy happy to be here and and to help. Lucas, thanks for the opportunity, buddy.
0: Thanks so much. See ya.